You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip-syncing. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. Welcome to another episode of the Family Gamers Podcast. This is episode 298. 298 episodes. We are so close to 300. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show, though. Hello, everybody. We are the Family Gamers. As always, I am your host, Andrew, and I am joined by my lovely and wonderful wife, Anitra. And as always, that's me. (laughs) We are excited to have another show. It's the March to 300 right now. I mean, everything is really all around what's going to happen when we hit 300. I'm just excited for it i mean i am too but i've also been a little bit preoccupied with the march to the end of the school year yes and the school year is coming in two days and in light of that we thought that we would have an episode that kind of talks about just some stuff that we're looking forward to for the summer for the summer yeah so we've done a couple of summertime game episodes in the past episodes. In fact, 98 and 198 <laughs> kind of talked about <laughs> games to play outside or, you know, summertime games, things like that. And here we are at 298 talking about generally the same thing again. It's something apparently we come back to every two years. We might actually come back to it every year. I'm not sure. Yeah, but I don't know. we're going to come at it from a little bit different angle. And just specifically three games from each of us that we are looking forward to for this summer for various reasons some of them are new some of them are old it's just stuff that we want to play we're also going to talk a little bit about the game school co-op summer fun stuff that they have on their website this is something Mm -hmm. we've talked about before as well so uh yeah we're going to talk about all that stuff second half of the show first half of the show i have a fact are you ready yes okay this is a little bit long but i think we'll get there it's interesting if you ask me okay have you ever heard of the inklings yes what's the inklings it was a writer's group somewhere in England that included C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. Okay. Yeah. It's a kind of a cool thing. Now, have you ever heard of the Tolkien letters? No. So the Tolkien letters or the letters of J.R.R. Tolkien is a collection published in 1981 of 354 selected letters written by Tolkien over the course of his lifetime, which were edited where necessary and compiled by his biographer, Humphrey Carpenter, with the help of his son, Christopher. His son, Christopher, did a lot of stuff to get his writing out there. Yes. The selection contains 354 letters, said that already, dated between October 1914, when Tolkien was an undergraduate at Oxford, and August 29th, 1973, four days before his death. Wow. Okay. So, the Inklings, we hear the scoop of where this name came from in Tolkien Letter 298. Okay. All right. Tolkien gave William Luther White a brief account of the name Inklings from memory since the group had no recorder. The name's origin was an undergraduate joke. It had been founded in the mid-30s by then-undergraduate Edward Tangy Lean, whose ambition was to found a club that would prove lasting. To that end, he invited some Dons. Uh, C.S. Lewis was Tangeline's mentor. Both he and Tolkien joined this. They met in Tangeline's room at University College, and at each meeting, listen, members were to read aloud unpublished compositions. There would be immediate criticism, and if they thought it appropriate, contributions could be voted into a record book that was kept by Tolkien. 
Of course it was kept by Tolkien. Right. <laughs> so that club, that small club, soon died out, but the name transferred to a circle of C.S. Lewis's friends who met in his home. Had the first club never existed, C.S. Lewis would have created one, for he had a passion for out loud readings and a facility for extempore criticism beyond the others. Basically, he liked reading out loud and having people talk about it. Sure. So, the name was a jest, said Tolkien, because it was an ingenious pun suggesting people with vague or half-formed intimations who dabbled in ink. C.S. Lewis never claimed to have invented this name himself. All right. So, this name was kind of a joke name that was created as a predecessor group to what we now know of as the Inklings, this much more famous group that existed for uh, like almost 20 years, this kind of famous writers group. Uh, And we learn all about that in Tolkien Letter 298. All right. Well, you were right. That was a much longer fact than I was prepared for. But I hope it was but, interesting. Yeah. I thought it was kind of neat. And you can, you can totally read all of the letters. You can, I think you can buy the collection. So there you go. Very cool. All right. We also have a message from our sponsor, First Move Financial. Did you know that if you have a 401k from an old employer, it may be getting weighed down by fees? Brightscope recently reported that the average fees for small plans range between 1.5% and 2%, and plenty of plans pay more than 2% a year in fees. Luckily, your 401k has to report the fees that you're paying, so if you look at your statements carefully, the fees should be in there. To give some context, if you left $10,000 in an old 401k that was charging a 2% administration fee, 20 years later, that fee alone would have cost you $5,000. If you want help looking at your 401ks or other retirement accounts to make sure you're not overpaying, go to firstmovefinancial.com slash familygamers and set up a time to chat for free. Thanks so much to the team at First Move Financial for sponsoring this episode of the show. All right, so let's get into our topic that we usually start with, which is the games that we have been playing. So we actually mixed it up. We have some new games that I don't think we've ever talked about on the show this week that we've all played together. But first... We're going to talk about some games we played over the weekend with some friends. We played a bunch of Soul Clover and a bunch of Master Word. We did. We had fun. Yes, those games are still great. Soul Clover is so good that I believe our friends ordered it at the table. I believe they did. They were also thinking about Master Word. Master Word, we've talked about this before. We're going to release with probably a snap review for this game probably. in the not-too-distant future. This game is this really cool word-guessing mastermind mashup game. That's just a lot of fun. It's really interesting. The kids can play it, kind of. The cooperative word-guessing games, I really like this direction that word games have gone in. Mm -hmm. And Master Word definitely sets itself apart from the other word-guessing games we've played. Mm -hmm. That said, it is a harder game to play with kids, but throwing one or two kids into a group of four or five players shouldn't be a problem, I don't think. Yeah, and that's exactly what we did, and it seemed to work out pretty well. Yeah. All right. We also played more Unmatched. More Unmatched. Because we released our snap review for the uh, Jurassic Park Dr. Sadler and T-Rex set. Yes. Just this past Friday, I got to get into my T-Rex outfit, my suit. You did. I put a few teasers (laughs) out there on social media. Yes. We are here to tell you that T-Rex is not unbeatable. She is very strong, but we have managed to beat her a couple of times. Yeah. I... (sighs) I said this back with uh, Battle of Legends Volume 2, which we'll be giving away, and we'll talk about that at the end of the show. 
uh, with Achilles and Patroclus, where you really just need to just throw all caution to the wind and just attack, 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 attack. And I feel the same way about the T-Rex. If you burn cards to boost her movement because her movement is only one, you really can just continue to assault the other player. And if you can manage to do that enough, generally, I think you're going to be successful. It's really, I don't know of another strategy that would work with that character. I will say that one of the times that T-Rex got beaten, it was that the other players managed to stay out of reach just often enough that T-Rex ran through all their cards. Yeah, so one of the things about the T-Rex player, character, whatever, is that they draw an extra card at the end of their turn. So if the T-Rex maneuvers once, they'll be drawing two cards, right? Because the, at right. the end of the T-Rex's turn, they draw right. a card. And so if the T-Rex is using their cards to boost, which I think is is probably pretty necessary, given that she's a melee character... She's going to burn through her cards, and so she's going to need to maneuver and draw cards and then have those cards at the end of the round and all that stuff, and eventually she's going to run out. Yeah. So she's got to kill you before that happens. Yes. Right? So That's the key. We also played the game Freight Cars. Yes. So Freight Cars is a game that was published by Quick Simple Fun, and it was designed by a friend of mine. Uh, <laughs> so the second that I saw it was available for pre-order, I was like, I'm buying that game yes, 30 please. bucks, whatever. I want to support him anyway. I knew the game was good. What did you think of the game? I really enjoyed it. The graphic design is a little odd. In my defense, the graphic design didn't exist when I right, played it. Right, right, no. <laughs> um, the graphic design on this makes me think that it's going to be a heavier, more Euro-y kind of game. It is a um, like, near-future, grungy, cargo train look. Yeah, so... When I when I really dug into it later, I was like, oh, like, it makes sense. It just, with a lot of really muted colors and kind of muddy on some parts of the design, it just made me think, like, oh, this is going to be a cube-pushing Euro, which, I mean, I was up for, but it was much lighter than that. It's a polyomino arranging game, in addition to being one of those where you're kind of pressing your luck a little bit press your luck's not the, exactly the right term but you want to make your train as long as possible because you'll get more points yep. but you really also want to deliver quote unquote your train at the right time with the right cars so you can get these like bonus order effects mm -hmm. of oh i've delivered these three kinds of things to this city over here and so there's that balancing and the well i could add another car to the end but A, do I have the right pieces to actually fit in that car and fill it with, from my polyominoes? And B, if I do that, is somebody else going to make it over to that city first? So we played it at two players. I imagine that risk would be significantly higher at a higher player count. I would think so, yeah. But it's not a terribly complicated game. Like, there's some layered strategy in there with regards to maximizing points and all this other stuff, yeah. you know, with trying to get the correct pieces delivered or the correct cars delivered with the right types of cargo in them and all this other stuff, yada, yeah. yada, yada. But it's not a hard game to understand. Exactly. But like any, you know, a seven or eight year old could play the game. Like they're going to be like, okay, I got to fit my pieces into this thing. Almost like a Ubongo kind of thing where yeah, you have exactly. a shape that you're trying to put these polyominoes into. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so that's Freight Cars from Ben Parmentier and Quick Simple Fun Games. Recommend it. Good game. We've also been playing more Point Salad. This game plays 
amazingly well at all of its recommended player accounts. I am really blown away. I think it's because there's an extra step of setup, no matter what your player count is. If you're anything less than six players, there is some setup involved for your decks. But it's worth it to take that extra minute or two and do it because it makes the game flow so well at any player count you have. That's pretty much all I have to say about that until we <laughs> review it. It's very good. It's very good. It's very good. Another game we played was Disney's Kingdom Hearts Perilous Pursuit. So we had played this a few times with the kids, and they um, they were not shy about letting us know that they had absolutely no interest in playing this game again. And that's fine. And so you and I sat down and played it together and lost the first level on the first turn. Yeah. This yeah. game's got some issues. It's unnecessarily hard. So I talk about this in the review that comes out the same day as this podcast. This game is good for gamers who want the grind of a difficult game. And that's fine. There are people who like that stuff and that is fine. The problem is they slap the Disney property on the front. It's a Kingdom Hearts game. Kids yeah. are going to see Goofy and Donald and be like, oh, I want to play this game. This game is too hard for kids. And it's not that Kingdom Hearts is an easy game. But but it's an approachable game. But it's an approachable game. It has that scaffolding of never giving you stuff that's ridiculously too hard. It's like, oh, this is just a little bit too hard for me. If I try a little bit harder, if I do things a little better, I'll beat it. Or at least it starts easy and builds up into those right. things. Well, and 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 this and starts easier because the thing is, we lost the first world in the first turn, and it's not like we had a horrifically unlucky roll. Like it was just one or two dice that were bad. Yeah. It does not build up the way you would expect something based on a video game should. It kind of dumps you in right away like, oh, roll the dice, and if it doesn't work out, well, since you have nothing else to build on at the beginning of the game, sucks to be you. <laughs> That's a little harsh, but like, I don't disagree with you. <laughs> so I, I just, it didn't, it just didn't land with us. And, you know, I think we enumerate the reasons why in the review and, you know, Head over to the website and take a look and uh, and see what you think. So so that is Kingdom Hearts Perilous Pursuits from the op. On the flip side, we also finally got a chance this week to play The Adventure Zone Bureau of Balance. Okay. So we brought in some friends who are actually familiar with the podcast. Yeah, so so here's... So I, I actually like the fact that we have other games that, that we're going to talk about today, but I like the fact that these two are back-to-back -back because... The Adventure Zone podcast is not kid-friendly. It is not appropriate for children in a lot of different ways. However, we recently reviewed Quest of Yore, the RPG, again, also from the op, which is fine. Quest of Yore is fine. I would play it again, fine. Adventure Zone Bureau of Balance is a better RPG for children. Yes, 100%. Quest of Yore is not bad like it's definitely children? yeah quest of your is a simplified rpg system but it's very much in that DD mold adventures on bureau of balance is based on an ip that is ostensibly playing DD, but they've taken almost all of the stats out of it mm -hmm. there are stats in it but they've taken almost all of them out of it and really focused on the story side of things and there's tons of references in this if you are an adventure zone fan so if you like that property you're gonna find things you're gonna draw cards and you're like ha, it's that thing it's whatever but this is a game that really leads into the story in fact there are many things where it says if you answer this question you get a bonus right which yeah. is which is awesome yeah. i played as max the half-orc wizard who is also a bodybuilder. 
He was amazing. He was amazing. He was amazing. Super fun. <laughs> I played him as a tank, even though he's supposed to be the wizard. Yeah. It was great. It was hysterical. Yeah, I, I agree. One of the things I really, really liked about this game is it is one of the best I have seen yet to really provide a framework for cooperative storytelling. Yes. In that it's not just the framework, it's giving you the pieces you need, but it's also not like, okay, now we told the story for a while, now we have to go do this fight, you know, and go over to this place and do this thing. It really all ties together nicely and encourages you to keep telling the story as you go. Mm. So there is kind of, I think they call him a team leader or something like that. So it's not really a DM kind of person, but it's certainly someone who's sort of managing the story. And the way this game works is there is a villain, there is some kind of loot or item or relic or... Relic, I think. Is it relic? Villain, relic, and And then location. location. And there are three separate stacks. And so there's four different villains that are available in the game. There's four different relics that are available in the game, four different locations that are available in the game. So you pick one of each of them to play for the game that you're playing, and you have these stacks. So your encounter, you choose one of these three stacks, and you have to encounter that thing. And you just kind of like talk about like what you're doing, and, you know, I'm going to attack the, or or I'm going to encounter the dragon's, swatting at me or yeah, whatever it's it is. the like deadly swipe or yeah, whatever. yeah yeah and you know how am i going to avoid this what am i going to do and it has like a threshold difficulty that you have to beat in order to you know win that thing and you have a couple of modifiers people can help if they want to and then you roll a d20 which only goes up to six and if you beat whatever that threshold is you win and if you don't you don't and that's it and you just move on to the next player and and, you know you keep going around and you're constantly building onto this story that i mean it's always contrived and it doesn't matter yeah and there there's enough in there to keep you moving forward Mm mm-hmm I am looking forward to playing this with some of our children. I think, I hope, it will go over better than some of the other RPGs we have played recently. Well, the mechanics are so much more simple that you really aren't going to get bogged down by them. Right, that's that's my hope. You know, because with all of the other ones, like, we're kind of... I don't want to say we're a rule-following family, but like we're an engineering family. Like at our core, like you and I both went to an engineering yeah. school. Our middle child is gonna be an engineer. Like it's just how it's gonna be. So we generally we like to adhere to the rules, but also we understand sometimes you have to just be like, yeah, whatever, good enough. Yeah, yeah, whatever, good enough is all over the place in this game. Right, and it's well, great. It reminds me that in the past when I have done role-playing games, I usually like to play a tank kind of character who is just, you know, show me the thing I need to hit and I will hit it a bunch. And that is what I do because I like the simplicity there. That's Uh, what I did. Max the wizard who's a half-orc who ended up from the Jersey Shore. I don't know how that, it was was a riot. It did not make sense, but that's okay. It doesn't doesn't need to make sense. It was great. But generally that's my attitude towards role-playing. Like I find it challenging enough that give me this thing where it's got a very clearly defined role of like, I am big, dumb, brute, I hit things. Point me in direction of thing to hit. Mm. That works when I'm the least experienced player <laughs> in, the, in the group, but sure. not so much when I'm the most experienced player in the group. So in this game, it does. Like, you could have a party that was all people acting like that, like, oh, I'm just going to do this thing over and over again until it works. And eventually it would work. Yep. Uh, whereas in a lot of the other games we've played, something like that doesn't. 
So you need somebody who can finesse it a little bit more. Adventure Zone doesn't need that. Like, yes, it makes it more fun if you can all find different ways to do it. So I'm really hoping that this will open up the availability of it really is okay to role play a little bit more and worry about, oh, am I in the right place? Do I have the right weapon, etc.? Right. A little yeah, less. there's no, there really isn't any like arming your characters nope. in this game. Like, I mean, kind of you get stuff from Fantasy Costco, but it's not. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, the important thing here is, yes, Adventure Zone is not really a kid friendly property, but this game is totally kid safe. We didn't see a yeah. single thing that even made us at all. I mean, there are obviously nods to the arcane. It is a fantasy based game. I mean, there was like a haunted creepy doll. Um, yeah, but like um, the the deals warlock is in there and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, so there there are there's that kind of stuff, but like there's no uh, language, there's no inappropriate innuendo. Art, there's no innuendo. None none of that stuff is there. Yeah. None of it. So I mean that I think is the most important takeaway from us with regards to that. That's Adventures on Bureau of Balance. I am looking forward to playing that with the kids mm-hmm. big time. Yep. Uh, next game on my list is a game from Underdog Games, and this is Trekking the World. So this is a game that reminded me of, gosh, a lot of things. I don't know. Ticket to Ride uh, was in there for sure with just kind of the way that you are are picking up cards and stuff like that. I mean, it's a world map. So like it kind of had a little bit of like a pandemic vibe to it where you're kind of traveling around and you're picking up these cubes and you're trying to do a little bit of set collection and, you know, all this other stuff. It's a nice kind of super high level game that exposes people to a lot of, I don't know, like world monuments, I guess. So you're kind of going around and you're collecting these cubes, but you're also collecting these elements, you know, colored cards. And that's kind of the, the ticket to ride collection piece. But then you turn those things and you, you have to go to a certain, you know, wonder of the world, like Machu Picchu. And you need to have the combination of cards that allows you to kind of claim that monument or claim that uh, thing or, or you know, kind of whatever. And you need to get a, a certain number of those and they all have victory points on them. And so there's a little bit of like a almost like a parks kind of thing here going on. But the map is the world. So it just really kind of reminds you of like a pandemic kind of thing. But also um, there's some of that kind of ticket to ride mechanic with the drafting of the resources. And it all kind of comes together into this nice. I mean, it, it's it's a high level game. It was. You know, me and our 11-year-old who played it, and it was not difficult at all. I think our 7-year-old could play this game super easily. The art was excellent. The graphic design was great. The packaging was tremendous. Very, very high quality. It was a really nice kind of like full plastic insert in the box that's totally stock. It's just a really nice production. It's really a nice high-level game to play. I think, honestly, with this game, I think we're probably going to play it a couple of times and then move on from it. And it's not kind of a commentary on the game, but we've got a lot of friends who, like, this is totally in their wheelhouse in terms of the weight. And we generally tend towards things that are a tiny bit heavier than this. So we probably will move on from it, but it is a, it's a very good game. And if you're talking about a lot of these kind of world things in a homeschool context, it's really good for that. Awesome. So yeah, I know you have no opinion because you didn't play it. At all. I didn't play it, but so. I would like to play it again at a higher yeah. player count and, you know, really see how, especially like our seven year old kind of internalize this game. That'd be good. Sure. Sure. You played some stuff without me though. I did. Uh, Asher and I learned Raccoon Robbers from Pegasus Spiel. Mm-hmm. This was a cute game. I was expecting it to be more complicated than it actually was, in fact. Okay. 
raccoon robbers. You're a raccoon crime boss? You are sending your raccoon minions to climb up buildings and then uh, jump down again, basically. When a raccoon jumps down from a building, then the boss character for that raccoon's team gets to move forward on the path of trash. The winner is whoever gets their boss raccoon to the golden trash can first. (laughs) It's got that nice family weight that I like to see of, you can definitely be mean in this game. You can play cards that push other people down on a building while you're trying to climb up. Or even if you haven't climbed up, just be like, I can't climb up this building, but I'm going to push you guys down anyway. Or whatever. Um, You can also bump raccoons simply in the act of climbing. But it's one of those where being mean is such a small effect overall. Like, it's such a small part of the game that I would think it's not going to be a deal breaker for most families. Like, our kids have problems with games where the goal is one thing and being mean is built into the game. The goal is not kill off the other players or whatever, but in trying to get to the top of the building, you're incentivized to be mean. They generally have problems with games like that. I don't think they would have that here because each building is like six spaces or so to get to the top. There are a couple of spaces along the way that can be shared. And so, you know, if you get bumped down a space or two, it's mean enough to be like, oh man, you know, you took that bonus from me and now you're going to get these extra points and ah, but you can get back up there probably on your next turn. So it's not a huge difference. It was really cute. I'm looking forward to playing it at three or four players because with two players, there's an automata sort of. Yeah, which I never like. Which, yeah, it worked fine. And the mechanism for it is easy enough that it made sense. But I'd still rather play without it. So I'm looking forward to playing with more kids. Sure. I get that. That makes sense. On the last full day of school, I looked at Asher and I was like, this is it. This is your last chance. (laughs) Pick a game you would like to play. And we ended up running fairly low on time. So he picked Micro Macro Crime City. And we did three or four cases. So jealous. So I obviously can't do these cases with you now. I mean, you can do it where I let you drive and I do less of the work. (laughs) Yeah, but you already know the answers. My memory is terrible. In case you hadn't (laughs) noticed. Once I run through a couple of these cases, I might see enough to be like... Oh, yeah, I remember how that happened. But actually trying to trace the path of how it happened, I'm going to have to do all over again. Okay. These cases are really neat. And I really like the fact that it's so low stakes. You know, we would work through something and be like, I think we have the answer. And then one time we flipped over a card and we're like, oh, oh, we were answering the wrong question. (laughs) We misinterpreted the question on the card. That's funny. Flip the card back over and be like, okay, you know what? We didn't even really read the answer they gave yet. Let's try to find the answer to this again. Okay. (laughs) Because it feels more satisfying if you can trace through the thing, even once you, you know, have a clue of what the answer is. Sure. We have not run into anything as child inappropriate as I think it was the first or second case. I mean, there's plenty of murder. (laughs) Sure, sure, sure. But it's all pretty sanitized. There are lots of interesting motives that are represented in lots of different ways, which I think is really neat. The more we do of this, the more I can understand why people might color in the map as they go, because I can see it being a helpful tool for 
keeping track of like, oh, I'm following this guy, you know, and I'm trying to follow him backwards to his house or figure out where he went next. So let's try to figure out his path forward or whatever. And with us, we especially, you know, two or three cases in, we would start following the path and realize that later we had followed the wrong guy or we had gone the wrong direction. And like we had figured out where this guy lives, which was not what we cared about right now, but we might care about it later. Sure. Instead, we need to go the other direction and find out like where he was going next. So I, I can see where coloring in little bits and pieces as you go could actually help with that. So you don't have to actually retrace the past over and over again. I really like it. I am surprised how much I like working through micro macro crime city, but it's just a lot of fun to sit down with the magnifying glass <laughs> and nice bright lighting mm-hmm. and just pour over this map. Cool. Maybe this will be a good one to just sick the kids on over the summer. Uh, maybe. Only if we don't let Asher do it. Yeah, because he remembers everything. He will everything. remember everything. All right. Well, speaking of Asher, you and I played a game with him this evening, which is another game that we got in for review from Pegasus Spiel. This is First Rat. Okay, so I have to say the theme of this game, I think, is wonderful. (laughs) I loved it. The idea is that you have all these different rat colonies, I guess, who are sort of kind of working together to build spaceships to go to the cheese moon and sending out their little rat astronauts. (laughs) So what this game ends up being is essentially a point salad resource gathering euro game yeah i was not expecting that when right we it up. like so as we were playing through the game it kind of made me think kalis a little bit but like way less dry than kalis kalis is a super dry game but it has a lot of stuff that is very very euro but kind of boiled down and simplified to the point where a 10 year old can play this game So you start with two rats and you can either move a rat five spaces or you can move all of your rats up to three spaces. But if you move multiple rats, they have to end their movement on same colored spots. But not the same spot. But not the same. They can't be on the same spot. And so every spot you land on, you get to gather some resources. But there's also this light bulb modifier that allows you to increase the resources that you gather if you're gathering from behind this thing. Now, you can't move backwards, right? Because this is you know mm-hmm. how a lot of these games work. So there's this kind of path that you follow and obviously you get more resources as you get farther and farther up the path and what you're trying to do is gather resources to build the components to build these rockets and so there's all these different point tracks basically yes where when you reach a certain point you know when you do a certain thing then you get to set down a score marker on the next available point on the score track yeah so there's let's see there's the vinegar baking soda calculator and tin can so there's spaces that represent all four of those things and then there's also spaces that represent cheese yep and there are spaces that represent that light bulb that you want to move up so that you can pick up things you know behind it and there's the spaces with the apple core which let you move a separate thing on a separate track and either pick up specific rewards or just add tokens onto yet another score track location or get more rats or you can then put out from the nursery. <laughs> and then there's a couple of spots on the board where you can either steal from the vendor and move your rat back to the beginning or buy something from the vendor, which will help you during the course of the game. And so all these different things are going on all at the same time. And 
it somehow works. Like I thought it was going to be way more complicated. Like you figured it out. You you got your kind of flow in like two turns. It I did, and then it fell apart like, near the end. <laughs> yes, it probably took me like five or six before I was like, okay, I I get it now. I understand what's going on. I see all the different levers I need to pull, all the stuff that I need to move. I really enjoyed this game way more than I thought I was going to like it. Uh, yeah, same. Way more. And even still, even while I enjoyed the game the whole... I, I knew by like the fourth turn that I was not going to win this game. <laughs> yeah. However, I thought you were going to win, and then your strategy completely imploded. And so our 11-year-old completely demolished oh, both of us. he destroyed us. I think our scores were 52, 56, and 83. Yeah. Like, he killed us. And it was his first time playing, too. Yeah. We were all learning. So, you know, and we all were absolutely going with different strategies as we played. So it was really kind of cool to see how that all worked out. Again, I, I enjoyed this way more than I expected. So this is First Rat from Pegasus Spiel. It is a 2022 release. So I don't know if it's officially out yet. But this is definitely a game that we will be reviewing in the near future. Yeah, I'm looking forward to playing it more and helping our son work on a review because I think this is a good one for him to express himself with. Yeah, I actually told him that he was going to have to you know, help with this one. So expect that coming soon. Well, I think that's probably plenty of games. Are you on track to play at least one game uh, a day? Oh, yeah, June? I'm crushing it. My insights for the month of June say 21 games played and it All is right. not uh, it is it not, is the, not 21st the 21st. Day. So I might actually okay. do it. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing all right. All right. I'm doing all right. I got I'm, I'm three three days ahead of schedule. So, all right. So, Booyah. let's take a break. When we come back, we'll welcome our new community members and yes. then get into our topic of um summer stuff. Yes, games that we're looking forward to playing. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back. This is a snap review for Unmatched Jurassic Park, Dr. Sattler versus T-Rex. This is a two-player game in the Unmatched series. It has a lot in common with other games in the Unmatched series. It takes about 20 minutes to play. It's rated for ages 14 and up. This standalone game can also be mixed with any other Unmatched set. Just like all the other Unmatched sets. It's so great. As you can guess from the title, this set pits the iconic T-Rex against Dr. Sadler and her sidekick, Dr. Malcolm. So, Andrew, let's talk about the art in this game. Sure. So this set comes with a single game board, which is the T-Rex paddock. It's darkly colored with touches like a broken down Jeep and a lit flare that reminds us of the iconic Jurassic Park movie. Mm-hmm. The mini and the cards for Dr. Ellie Sattler befit her role as a young but serious scientist fighting for her life against the dinosaurs. Her sidekick, Dr. Ian Malcolm, is a little bit less serious. A little bit. But that's not what we're really here to talk about, is it? Mm-mm. The star of this set is, in fact, the T-Rex. The figurine for T-Rex is so large, we can't even call it a miniature. It has special rules because it takes up two spaces on the game board. Just look at that thing. So, Anitra, let's talk about how you play Unmatched. Sure, this is a quick reminder on how to play Unmatched in general. The goal of the game is to take out the opposing player's hero by attacking them until their health drops to zero. On your turn, you normally get two actions. With each action, you may either maneuver, 
which is drawing a card and then moving any or all of your figures. Or you may play a card. If the card's a scheme, its effect is carried out immediately. If it's an attack, your opponent has a chance to play a defense card. Then resolve any immediate effects, during combat effects, or after combat effects on both the attack and defense cards. In addition to their unique cards, every character also has a special ability that changes some aspect of how they approach the game. So there are a few mechanics that are different in this set. So the T-Rex is a large fighter. I'd call her an extra large fighter. You're gonna make her feel self-conscious. <laughs> <laughs> but she occupies up to two spaces as shown by the elongated base on the figure. And she has a ton of health. This thing is huge, 27 hit points. <clears throat> Since she's so big, she can attack spaces that are up to two spaces away, not just the adjacent space. She also draws a card at the end of her turn, but her normal movement is only one space. Whew. Dr. Sattler and Dr. Malcolm can place insight tokens every time they move up to a max of five on the board. These tokens can be activated by various cards for different effects, like extra damage to an attack, healing, moving, things like that. It's a bonus that is especially helpful in evading and attacking a powerful opponent like... The T-Rex. So, Anitra, what did we expect with this set from Unmatched? Well, we love Unmatched. It might actually be our family's favorite game. We have enjoyed the other Jurassic Park set that's already out, Raptors vs. InGen. So we were really excited to find out what this set held and try face-offs between the T-Rex and some of our other favorite characters. This has been a hotly anticipated set. And boy, oh boy, were we excited. So once we saw the size of the T-Rex, oh man, she just looks unstoppable. Is there any way to beat her? Well, now we're going to have to talk about our surprises. I found a strategy with the T-Rex that seemed to work every time. She's ruthless, right? I mean, she's I mean, the yeah. T-Rex. So play her that way. Her movement is one, but there's no restriction on the boosting of her maneuvers and of her movement. So you can actually get anywhere on the board fairly easily. Combine that with her brutal attacks, and I've never lost with her. I don't know if it's broken, but it's definitely an effective way to play. T-Rex is awesome, but I was surprised just how much I like playing with Dr. Sattler. The insight tokens can be used really powerfully with the right cards. And the cards themselves were awesome reminders for me of my favorite moments in the original Jurassic Park movie. Woman inherits the earth and the future ex-Mrs. Malcolm make me <laughs> chuckle every time. <laughs> well, I think people can probably guess, but Anitra, I'm going to have to ask this question. Do we recommend this unmatched set? If you like Jurassic Park, you'll like this set. If you already love Unmatched, you'll enjoy exploring new ways to use a large hero. I mean, who hasn't secretly wanted to be a dinosaur that could bite people's heads off right I know, like, right? Come on. If you've never played Unmatched before, I'll bet you'll immediately be pulled into the struggle between dinosaur and man. <clears throat> Woman. They're a little concerned that the T-Rex has an edge on existing Unmatched characters, but I was able to beat her once. The original Jurassic Park movie was rated PG-13, and Unmatched is rated 14+. T-Rex is pretty scary, and there's a lot of reading in this game, but we think most 10-year-olds will gleefully jump in if they get a chance to play as a terrifying dinosaur. I mean, who wouldn't, right? Right, right. So, Andrew, what are we going to rate Unmatched, Jurassic Park, Dr. Sattler versus T-Rex? I think we're going to rate this one 4.5 out of 5 terrifying roars! Ah! <laughs> and that's Unmatched, Jurassic Park, Dr. Sattler vs. T-Rex, in, in a, a snap. And we're back. Hello, hello. Now we're going to talk about frogs. 
first, we're going to start by welcoming the 11 new members to the Family Gamers Committee. Yeah, with a frog. I mean, I, I did welcome them with a frog. <laughs> a very relaxed looking frog. 11 new members in the community. This is amazing. I'm so proud of this community. It's so fun to see all the folks in here that are sharing what they're doing with their kids, what games they're playing, offering advice, asking questions, stuff like that. It's been Really, really great to see. We're very, very uh, encouraged and just overwhelmed. We have 562 members in the Family Gamers community now. Yeah. That's crazy. There are over 500 people who pay some kind of attention to what we're saying. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but they maybe they just want to play family games or something like uh, that. Maybe. I'm also very thankful, by the way, that the administrative load for this is relatively small. So thank you for being well-behaved if you're already in the Family Gamers community. Yes. <laughs> yes, that too. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and welcome some of these members. I'll start us off. Welcome to Chris. Welcome to Carrie. Welcome to Sarah. Welcome, Jeff Johnston. <laughs> I thought we weren't using last names here. Yeah, but it's Jeff. <laughs> Welcome to Lim. Welcome to Benjamin. Welcome to Skylar. Welcome to Mark. Welcome to Dave. And Amanda. And Adam. So welcome to the community. I see some folks are already engaging and talking about some games that they're playing, which is awesome. We love it. And if you haven't welcomed them, head over to the Family Gamers community on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash groups slash Family Gamers AA and, uh, and say hi or join. Or both. Join and say hi. That would be acceptable as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk about summer. So our kids are done with school when you listen to this tomorrow or it has already happened. So uh, yeah. Uh, we are looking well for ways to occupy our children. And something that happened last year that we want to talk about again, but something that really our kids totally got wrapped up in was the idea of the Game School Co-Ops Summer, the Game School Summer. Now, I think a big part of this is because we had just picked up Zombie Teens Evolution and they... It was Zombie Kids Evolution. Was it Zombie Kids at zombie that time? Zombie Teens oh, was we a Christmas him, present. We gave them yeah. Teens as, uh, Christmas. I mean, they probably played 25 games of Zombie Kids Evolution in like three days. That might be a slight exaggeration. No, I don't think so. But only a slight one. They were really inspired by the Game School Summer Edition Meeple Badge Challenge. You know, in general, this is that kind of achievement thing. They loved it with the Zombie Kids stuff is the idea mm -hmm. of getting these achievements. And mm -hmm. Game School Summer offers these kind of metagame level achievements where it's about the broad spectrum of gaming and not one particular game, which I think is great. Although they have some particular game stuff as well. Uh, yes. You know, the Game School Summer Meeple Challenges is very nonspecific. It's things like play your favorite game, play a game with polyominoes in it, play an outdoor game, take a picture of a game, things like that. Play a game about plants. That's about as specific as it gets. It also has medals or trophies or whatever for some specific things that kids might not think about doing on their own, like design your own board game, play it with others, get feedback, write the name here and check marks for I made the game, I play tested it and improved it, I play tested the new version. And if you've done all of those things, then you get that trophy 
or that metal. Right. Now, I do want to say, like, it's not like this is stuff that's getting submitted to the game school people and yeah, they're no, sending is... you anything or stickers or whatever, although that would be kind of cool. This is really just a personal achievement kind of thing, just to, you know, say, you know what? This thing was put together. I did the thing, right? I mean, this is less of a perk than the old, you know, summer reading program from Pizza Hut, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I think our kids turned it kind of into a competition last year with some friends. A, a little bit, yeah. Because that's part of what makes it fun to get achievements is to also be able to compare with somebody else and be like, well, did you get this achievement yet? Because mm -hmm. I did. Mm -hmm. And none of these involve video games, which is the best. That is also an excellent uh, part of this. So I was just reading off from the standard game school summer meeple badges, mm -hmm. but they have a version for young kids too that's appropriate for pre-K or K-ish up to about second grade. These ones are even simpler and there's only 18 of them in the older version there's like 27 there's just a ton of stuff in here though like there are like coloring pages there are puzzles there's print and play games there is a ton of stuff at this website we'll put the link to this in the show notes but i'm going to say it out loud it's gameschoolcoop.com slash summer those print and play games are awesome I also highly recommend they link off to the Game School Adventures page, which has even more Meeple Badge challenges, some of them related to specific games like King Domino and Dragonwood. So anyway, so that's kind of the way that we are kicking off our board game summer is getting our kids back to this page, looking at some of the stuff and kind of setting them up with some Making these goals, printouts. Right? Yeah. 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 But that's not what we're going to spend the rest of the time talking about. So here's what we did. Anisha and I decided that I would pick three games that I want to play this summer. Yes. And Anisha would pick three games that she wants to play this summer. Now, what I did was I picked a game that I want to play that is a good outside game. I did similar. A game that just makes me think of summer. I mean, it's great any time of year, but it's really easy to play it outside. I also picked a game that kind of puts me in a summer mood or a game that like... I feel like summer is the right time to play this game. Okay. Yep. And I also picked a game that I just really want to play. And I think I could probably play it outside because I don't think there's cards in the game, but it's on our shelf of opportunity. So I don't really know, <laughs> but I really want to play it. All right. Fair. So I tried to, to kind of spread out the love a little bit on some of this stuff. It's funny because I was thinking kind of the same direction. I am wondering if we have any overlap in these. I don't know. I also, games. by the way, one of my games is just a game I really want to play that has Apparently. nothing to do with summer. Yeah. It probably is not good for playing it outside. I and just really fine. want to play it. Sure. Okay, great. Do you want to go first? Ladies first. Sure. Well, okay. I will start with my game that I think of when I think of playing games outside in the sure. summer. Okay. Which is Draftosaurus. Okay. I think we've mentioned this on several times that we talk about playing games outside. Sure. But even our review of it, I have pictures of a bunch of hands holding dinosaurs, and you can't tell in the picture, but we're just doing it over a picnic table that has a plastic tablecloth on it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what we do every year, we go to a campsite with a ton of other families, some a church kind of weekend thing. And this year, we got this special lamp that's supposed to repel the mosquitoes. Uh, we hope. So... Like, I'm really looking forward to actually playing some games and not slapping myself in the face a million times. <laughs> but <laughs> Draftosaurus will Draftosaurus come. is going to come with us every year on mm -hmm. that trip because mm -hmm. it is meeples and boards and a die. If you lose something, you're going to know that you dropped it right away. Um, and everything's super bright colors. So and you it's can find bright it. colors. And it just, nothing's going to blow away. And 
because of the way Draftosaurus works, I still love that you see everything out on the table. Like, you're not trying to constantly remind yourself of how the scoring works. So, Draftosaurus is my my first game of this game gets played outside in the summer, and I am I am here for it. Okay, so the first game on my list, we're going to go with the game that's great to play outside. This is a game off of my shelf of opportunity. I'm pretty sure this is good to play outside. And this game is Sorcerer City. Okay. So this is a timed game, and it's all tiles that you're kind of placing in kind of like a grid. So I think there's a fair amount of table space involved, but I'm reasonably sure that there's nothing that's going to blow away. So I think we're good to play this one outside. Okay. It's a game that we got secondhand a little while ago, and I really just want to get it to the table, please. And uh, this summer is my time to do it. All right. What should we do next? The games we really, really just please I want to play this or the game that makes us think of summer? Like summertime type. Which one do you want to talk about? Let's go with I just want to play this game a bunch more. Okay. Minus three sisters. Okay. I'm I'm all I'm down for that. Three sisters, great game from the team that is Motor City Gameworks. This is a kind of a spiritual successor to Fleet Dice. It's a lot of fun. It's I think it's a little bit more complicated. Uh, maybe it's just because we played Fleet Dice so much that it comes second hand to um, us. I don't know. I think it's a little bit more complicated than Fleet Dice in part because there's more numeracy involved in Three Sisters. Cool. Yeah. It's a great game. Uh, yeah. We haven't uh, laminated sheets for it yet. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> so my game that I just want to play and I, you know, I mean, it happens to be summertime is a game that I just got a shipping notification for, I mm-hmm. think. I think, you know how when you back a Kickstarter and it's around the time of fulfillment and you get a random like shipping notification, but it doesn't really tell you like what it is because it's maybe it's from a fulfillment company. I mean, I don't really know what that's like, but you can tell (laughs) me. That's because I get all the emails, even (laughs) if you're the one who does the Kickstarter. (laughs) Anyway, so that game is Marvel Dice Throne. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously we are Dice Throne fans. We reviewed season one. We, We reviewed a couple of sets from season two. Battle Yahtzee is super fun. I've heard great things about the Marvel set. We kickstarted the Battle Box. I am really excited for this. I know the kids are really excited for it. I just want to play it, man. I just want it to come and I want to play it. That is Marvel Dice Throne. I mean, I'm definitely up for that. Dice Throne would never be my first choice, but I am always up for playing it when somebody else suggests it. I understand that. I, You know, it's definitely a, a direct dueling game, and I, I feel like... In our family, Unmatched seems to kind of be that game. I know that shocks absolutely no one who's listening to this. It definitely kind of seems to be that, like, the game that if we're going to have a one-on-one battle, it's going to be Unmatched, right? I don't know. Maybe Marvel Dice Throne will mix that up a little bit. I'm not really sure. Uh, Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. All right. So our last one is a game that just makes you think of summer. Yes. Right? Yes. We might have overlap on this one. I'm thinking Juicy Fruits. Okay, so Juicy Fruits. You have I, it I sitting right out That's here true. staring me That's in the face. That's true. I, I it love, is a very summery game. I love this game. This game is great. We first played this with the Gutowskis down in Georgia. Also, I've only played it once so far, game. and I w- want to play it a ton more. <laughs> Did you not? Oh, I guess it was just me and Asher who yeah. played it before. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, it's super fun, and I really like it, and I totally don't blame you for wanting to play that game. That is not the game that I selected. All right. I'm with you on Juicy Fruits. Uh, Asher and I played it once. Uh, we didn't play with the complicated board with the extra yeah, slidey yeah, yeah. bits and all that stuff. And at two players, like it's not as good at lower player counts. Sure. So I'm looking forward to playing that some more. That is a game that I would be all over introducing to friends and stuff like that. Yeah. That might be a fun game to bring on the camping trip. Oh, I, I'm definitely think it would be a good one to bring on the camping right. trip. It's, awesome. it's all pretty sturdy stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the game that makes me think about summer, not a good camping trip game 
but definitely a nice laid back fun kind of game where you can really appreciate what's going on. A lazy summer afternoon. You see a, a young lady with a parasol on a on a lighthouse, something like that. <laughs> that game is You gotta be talking about Cape May. I am talking about Cape May. I mean, I am definitely looking forward to trying Cape May at some point. This is another game that we picked up uh used, but on our shelf of opportunity. It is it is on the shelf of opportunity, but it is a game that I played at PAX Unplugged. Actually I sat down with Danielle from Board Game Bakes and mm-hmm, we played mm-hmm. together. And uh we played in a shortened game. It was only a couple of rounds, but it was just nice. Like, it's not really a game that kind of blew me away. It's definitely not really a game for kids. Like, it's not inappropriate, but it's that kind of game where it's not what they would be interested in. It's not going to appeal to them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, Asher might play it, and then he would play it, and and afterwards I'd be like, what do you think? And he'd be like, meh. You know? I mean, that's just kind of how it would be. But it's a really nice, well-put-together, very balanced game that we enjoyed playing. And it feels like a summer game to me. So that's Cape May from right. Thunderworks. Well, that that needs to go on our summer bucket list then. Mm-hmm. 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 I mean, there's some other stuff like Creature Comforts almost made the list, but I figure I really want to play that in the fall. Yeah. It's going to be a fall game for us. I mean, maybe if we get a like rainy, cool summer day. Rainy summer afternoon. Screened in porch with nothing to do. Something like that. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, it, it could be, you know, good for something like that. Like, you know, we had some tea today maybe t- today would have been a good day you know a little a little cooler outside a little rainy yeah. maybe we'll pull out something cozy but uh yeah so we've got some stuff we got some work to do to shrink the shelf of shame i'm sorry opportunity it's currently five calax cubes large of opportunity yeah it needs to go down a fair bit so uh, yeah We'll see what we can do about that. We'll, we'll try really, really, really hard. But we're working through these reviews right now. So that's definitely a focus for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope everybody's enjoying those. So those are our kind of selections for games that we're looking forward to playing this summer. I know that you have a bunch of games that you want to play this summer. Maybe some games that are good for outside. Maybe some games that uh, you picked up earlier in the year. And now that your schedules are starting free up, you might actually have some time to play them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe... Maybe, just maybe, there are some games that are on your list that you want to play this summer that you want to get from the Family Gamers for free. Uh, yeah, we are still running our giveaway for which we will announce winners on episode 300. It only has 81 entries so far. What? Come, Come on, on guys. guys. Come on. Let's get those entries in there. We've got at least five games we're giving away. You have a really good chance of winning something. Yes, they will be given away to different people yes. for sure. So yes. head over to thefamilygamers.com and find that giant post for the giveaway. You can also find it in the community there as well. Also, on episode 300, we wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for you. So one thing that we wanted to do is, and we've gotten a couple messages already, is we want to make sure that you have the opportunity to let your voice be heard, either by just sending us a note that we'll read as part of the backtalk segment of episode 300, or if you want to record something and email it to us, Andrew at thefamilygamers.com. Anitra at thefamilygamers.com. I edit this thing. (laughs) So I am more than happy to incorporate uh, anything that you send to us. And uh, I just think it'd be a blast. I'm going to take it a step further. We would really like to hear from you. Yes, we would. Yes, we would. We would really like to be able to include a lot of different people on episode 300. We did this to some extent with episode 200. We really did it with episode 100 four years ago. (laughs) And it's really kind of awesome to 
talk to people about their experience with the family gamers, how they found us or what they think is interesting or what they want to share about it. Or what you want us to do in the future. Like, uh, yes, that's always we are up for that, that too. Yes. As well, you know, maybe some things work, maybe some things don't, whatever. You know, it's, it's always good for us to hear from the community to figure kind of those things out. So please, if you have any desire at all to hear <laughs> your words on the podcast, send us a message either through email, which we already mentioned, Anitra at thefamilygamers.com. Andrew at thefamilygamers.com. Or with a direct message through any of the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Yeah, all those are places where you can get a hold of us and send us whatever kind of message you want to. At Family Gamers AA. Yep. Andrew and Anitra. Mm-hmm. You can, as always, check out the community, thefamilygamers.com slash community, or look for it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And you can see, I think, our last 60 or so snap reviews on YouTube. YouTube.com slash thefamilygamers. You can see me in a dinosaur outfit. You can. I mean. That's so great. Yes. You can see me getting scolded by Anitra while wearing a dinosaur outfit. That was also fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, this episode of the Family Gamers podcast is sponsored by First Move Financial. Head over to firstmovefinancial.com forward slash family gamers to learn how the team at First Move Financial can help you pile up the victory points. Last but not least, please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast if you like what you're hearing. Tell your friends about it. Send us emails. Tell your friends about us. (laughs) Um, Leave us a review so you can tell strangers about us. Yeah, do all the things, please. It really means a lot. Yes. All right. Well, I think that's going to be it for us this week. Oh, really? I think so. So until next week, everybody. Play Play games games with your kids. kids.